Man, I'm excited. Let's go. Matthew 6, all right? Verse 25, going to read through verse 34, okay? Here we go. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. All right, everybody? Good? Don't. Don't do it anymore, okay? (laughs) What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? Sometimes. And the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his, life, uh, to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And did I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I'm gonna read verse 33 one more time. We're gonna sit down there this morning. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All right, we're gonna have two focal points this morning. All right, so if you're a note taker, this would be the thing you'd probably write down, okay? Um, The first focal point is gonna be the problem of getting around to it, all right? Everyone say getting around to it. Yeah, you feel the southern twang. Don't say, not getting around to it. It's like one word, getting around to it, all right? One word, all right? The problem of getting around to it. And then secondly, is the promise of seeking first, all right? So we're gonna talk about the problem of just getting around to it and then the promise of seeking first. All right, let's, let's sit with the, the, the problem of getting around to it. So I'm a southern guy, all right? I'm from a town called Mayfield, Kentucky, let me, let me give you a picture, a mental picture of this town. Imagine a McDonald's, imagine a gas station, and imagine this parking lot. It's beautiful. It's just a parking lot. It's empty, but it's, it's pretty because that's where all of our people hung out. It was that kind of town, all right? My best friend from Mayfield, Kentucky is a successful cattle farmer doing business with the cows, all right? He's up at 4.30 every morning and just goes to work. That's the kind of town I'm from. So we say things like, I'm getting around to it, and we say it's southern, all right? So I want you to find that southern voice in yourself and just hear yourself saying, I'm getting around to it, all right, like that. I was never that country. But anyway, so getting around to it is basically Southern code for, all right, that was on my radar, not really, it wasn't my priority, but I hear you and I'm gonna do it because we just had this conversation, all right? It's kind of what it means. Like, hey, mom, coming in, Joshua, you're 15, stop playing video games, clean your room. Mom, I'm getting around to it. It's like, okay, I had forgotten that that was a thing. I wanted to do this, I'll do that at some point, right? That's what getting around to it means. You know, like if, uh, if your boss, like I worked at a car lot in Mayfield, Kentucky, I always had to clean up trucks and minivans and cars and all this stuff. And if, if I was ever slacking, he's like, hey, you gotta wash this truck. Customer just bought it. All right, Keith, I was getting around to it. As in, I was not gonna do that, but thank you for mentioning that. So now I can tell you that I was aware, but I wasn't, right? That's getting around to it. Now, I wanna tell you about some categories in life that getting around to makes sense, all right? It works. Not every category in life you can get around to, but some do. All right, one of those examples, dishes, all right? You can get around to dishes, 
right? Like when you're single, you got nothing going on. It's like, it's really just a question of character. You gotta clean the dishes or not. You gotta do that. You gotta be a grown up, right? But when you're busy, right? Maybe you get married, you got kids, or maybe you're single, got a big project coming up, you got a big job, whatever. There's things on your mind, all right? And some days when the dishwasher's clean and you can't unload it, and there's dishes in the sink and mold's starting to grow just a little bit, but everything's still fine, you can say, I'll get around to that. Not now, but I'll get around to it, right? It's not gonna like ruin my life if I don't do these things. Does that make sense? You can get around the dishes, yeah? Okay, uh, other things you can get around to. You can get around to cleaning your car, right? So when I was single, had nothing going on in my life, I was like, man, I'll never be the dad who's married and has kids and like has a dirty car. It's just gross. Like the kids need to see a clean car, I'll always keep my car clean. The minute I got into a dating relationship and had like two more responsibilities, I'm not talking like I was not that busy, my car is filthy now. I get, I get home and I'm like, that coffee cup would take me no time to pick up and throw away, but not right now. I just got too much on my mind. I'm busy, I'm, I'm, I'm burdened spiritually. Like I'll get, I'll get around to that, right? So my car's a little gross now. Steering wheel's got for real dirt on it. I looked up the other day, I wanted a detailed place. I called them, they didn't call back, I'm hopeless. Like I'm not gonna do it myself. It's getting around to it, that's the category, right? Like that's some categories, those, but you can do that. I'm still functioning. I still got a decent teaching. Everyone's here, we're doing all right, even though my car's dirty, right? That's a successful getting around to it category. Now let's talk about, I'm gonna say getting around to it a hundred more times, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Welcome to Mayfield, Kentucky, all right? Um, There's there's a couple of categories though that don't work with getting around to it. I'm gonna name a few, okay? You can't get around to being a good spouse. Come on, husbands, wives, give me some head nods. You can't get around to that, right? That's a priority. Right, because if you just get around to like loving and serving your wife or husband, like eventually they're gonna look at you and go, yo, I'm your wife, not your roommate, your buddy. Like you gotta like love me and serve me, Ephesians 5. Like love your wife as Christ loves the church. You can't get around to doing that. Husbands and wives, y'all have learned that through hurting people's feelings and having really hard conversations. Like, hey, for the past two weeks, you've been getting around to loving me well, and that stinks. Like this hurts. We gotta get more intentional about this, right? You can't get around to being a good parent. You know, like kids don't work that way from what I understand. I'm neither married nor a parent, but that's just, this is just what I perceive in the world, right? Kids, they have demands, they have needs. Like mom, dad, I'm crying, pick me up. Or mom, dad, I'm happy, play with me. Always attention, right? It's like some of us right now, we're hurt because we kind of had parents that got around to it and it, we didn't feel the love, right? You gotta be intentional with being a parent. Is everyone with me so far? All right, here's some more things that you, gotta, you can't just get around to. If you want like good friendships, right? You can't just get around to that. They don't fall on your lap. You find some people that you like, you really wanna vibe with, and then you gotta start being intentional. Hey, can we get dinner? Can we get coffee? Can we play Xbox till 4 a.m.? Can we do stuff like that, right? You gotta get intentional. You can't be the flaky, hey, I'll see you at six, but at 5.30, I might cancel plans because something else came up. Like, that's not how you do good friendships, right? Some of us are still locked into getting around to like solid friendships. Someone says, hey, let's hang out at three, and you're the 305 person. Listen, guys, that's hard. You gotta be intentional. Listen, let me empower you. You can be there at 2.55. I want you to, well, I know. I want you to hear that. (laughs) I want you to hear that. If you say I'll see you at three, you can get there early. For 2018, that's your goal. One time, get there early, all right? Right? But it's like, there's some steps you gotta do. If you want real friendships, you gotta take some steps, right? And now on a more serious note, with community, I've heard so many people say, man, I'm just hungry for like some real deep, spiritual, like godly community. And I'm like, man, that, I think we've all experienced, that's, that can be pretty hard. And I talk to people that like tried out a house church or something and, and they go to a house church and the teacher or the, or the person facilitating the conversation had just an awkward moment 
or they didn't just connect within like two hours. And so they're like, ah, I tried it and I'm done. I'm like, see, that's not how this works, right? If you want like deep community where you're connecting on the highs and the lows, you're going through the hard times and the fun times, you're celebrating and you're crying together and you're worshiping and you're doing all these things, you can't just get around to it. Oftentimes that won't fall into your lap. Does that make sense? Like the things that you want to flourish, the important things in life that you want to see grow, they can't be things that are on the back burner. You gotta put intentionality into this. Anyone with a good marriage, a good family, or a solid community group knows, man, a lot of these people have been really intentional to make this thing solid. We've endured plenty of awkward moments, plenty of terrible moments to make this friend group awesome, right? It takes intentionality. And so the first thing Jesus is gonna say is, hey, with the kingdom of God, all right, you cannot get around to seeking the kingdom of God. It doesn't work that way. It has got to be a place of first priority. I know you've got concerns. I know you've got worries, but I've got to come first. It's just how this thing works. And some of us right now, we look at our lives and we're like, he's not first. And, and, and immediately we just have to live in this tension. And I love you, God's grace all over us, sufficient. But if he is not first, the kingdom of God is not first. We are in direct disobedience with the words of Jesus, right? And I don't wanna lighten that too much. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I know there's so many things you can look at and there's so many habits you have, it's hard to break, but you can't put the kingdom of God second or third or fourth. It doesn't work that way. You've gotta put it first. And some of us are so used to, to putting it on the back burner and it cannot work that way because here's the deal. And this is a really unfair part of life, all right? But in life, oftentimes things that we wanna see grow, if we're not pushing toward them, do we just stay still? What happens? We start, come on, what happens? We start drifting. That stinks, man. Look, I worked out hard for like a year and a half, all right? I gained like 20 pounds. I didn't even look like I had muscle. I'm just that small of a guy, but I was really proud. And then I hurt my neck for real, had to stop working out. Guess how many pounds I lost? 20, all right? All of it gone. And I'm like, God, that is, I've talk, we talked. That's not fair. You know, I work super hard, but that's just the reality. Our bodies communicate. Look, if you're not gonna press forward, you're gonna slowly work back. That's how it works. Have you ever been to like the beach? Maybe this is just me. I went to the beach once, a lot of times, and I looked, you know, I had my boogie board. I didn't have a surfboard. I didn't have it like that. I was like Myrtle Beach, East Coast living, you know what I'm saying? And I had a boogie board, had dolphins on it, and I myself was like a dolphin in the ocean, very smooth. And I would boogie board on the waves. And you would see, you know, when you're boogie boarding on the waves, you gotta mark the umbrella where your squad's at so you don't get lost. There's my squad. For me, that was mom and dad. Mom and dad, squad up. I got you, keep your eyes on me, make sure I'm safe. This is, this is real out here. These dolphins are swimming out here. And uh, I don't know what that was. It never, none of that ever happened. But you gotta identify where you're at. You know what I'm saying? Now, what happens if you take your eyes off that, that beautiful umbrella that marks safety and home and you just have fun crashing the waves for 30 minutes? You look up and what's happened? Someone tell me. Man, you're off to the left or right, one of the sides. I'm not sure which side it is, but whatever the East Coast is drifting towards. And I didn't try to, right? But here's the facts. Without an intentional effort to stay where you were, you go somewhere else. And a lot of us look at 2017 and we're like, that did not go the way I thought. How did I drift? I never did anything on purpose. I did not mean to drift in my walk with the Lord. Like I was never malicious. I didn't wake up and go, I'm done. Like I'm just gonna push drugs for a living. I'm done with God. Like none of us do that, right? But a lot of us look at our lives and although we're hopefully not pushing drugs, we look and we go, there's a distance that didn't used to be there. I didn't expect this, but this is the reality. That's why Jesus says, look, 
You can't get around to this thing. There's something about our culture and just human nature that we don't naturally gravitate toward the holiness of God. Like culture pulls, pulls us away. We drift away. So if we're not intentional, we drift from the kingdom of God. If it's not first, it's like, kind of like Talladega Nights. Anyone seen that? If you're not first, you're last, all right? Southern boy, right? That's kind of the deal with the kingdom of God. If the kingdom of God is not first, and I know I'm telling a lot of jokes, but for real, if the kingdom of God is not first, Typically, it works out in a way where it's, it's close to last. Like all the smaller mandatory things get our attention. And all of a sudden, we look back after a year and go, wow, how did I get this far? So we come back to these words, seek first. So that's the problem of getting around to it. Now, that can be sort of a heavy thing we just did, right? Because I just told you all these different areas where I'm like, you can't just get around to it. You can't just get, and it's like, okay, chill. Like, I get it. It's my fault that everything's on fire around me, right? <laughs> The reason I'm going, starting with this, is because this passage ends with such hope, all right? So we talked about the problem of getting around to it. Now let's talk about uh, the, the promise of seeking first. So back to verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now I wanna notice real quick what's sandwiching verse 33. So verse 34, Jesus is like, listen, don't worry about tomorrow. It's got a lot going on. Today, enough's happening. You just take care of today. And in the verses leading up to it, he's like, look, don't worry about what you're gonna eat, what you're gonna drink, what you're gonna wear. Now, this is interesting. To us, we might go, okay, I'll try not to think about lunch tomorrow. Jesus, I got you. But for people that work for daily wages, we're like, tomorrow, Jesus, what are you talking about? That's all I have to worry about. That's like the only thing on my radar is like what I'm going to eat and drink. That is super important to me, in this context, of which Jesus you are familiar because you're teaching me here in first century, you know, Jerusalem, whatever it was, all right? So it's a crazy moment, but notice this. Jesus doesn't say, hey, these aren't important things. These are not important. He just says, don't worry about them. Seek the kingdom first. Now, why is this? This is really interesting. To me, at least, this was a powerful insight. I think Jesus was aware that the enemy's main goal, that Satan and, and demons and, and the spiritual forces, their main goal for you is not to get you like uh, injecting heroin or committing corporate fraud or to having an affair. I think the enemy would be totally content with you being somewhat worried about some minor distractions in your life that completely keep you from ever seeking the kingdom of God first. I think he's totally cool with you living a pretty good life, like American dream, not all the way, but somewhat, Good family, everything's doing good, but just kind of always looking at the next thing, the next concern, the next worry, and you never once saw what wasn't happening, right? And that's kind of that power the enemy has of uh, what I would call indirection and, and misdirection. You know, indirection is I'm gonna get you here and go away you wouldn't expect. So the enemy's like, I wanna get you to never seek God, but I'm not coming at you with all the time with these blatant temptations, these dark horn, you know, all the, all the stuff that, that the enemy can do, but I'm gonna go a little more subtle than that. But it's the same goal. It's also what he does with misdirection. Hey, you ever had a friend in middle school, really obnoxious, that like goes, hey, what's my hand doing? And then hits you with the other hand? Or was I the only one with those kind of people? Like, <laughs> yesterday, for goodness sake. I'm just kidding. What if yesterday? <laughs> Will, you just like slapped me. Was, anyway. uh, but you ever had a friend do that? Like, oh, what's going on here? Oh, boom. That's the enemy. And I think Jesus understands that. He's like, look, there's things that are important. And he's not invalidating the importance. He's just saying, if you look at them too much, if you're anxious about these things too much, you'll miss the boat. You'll miss what you were created for. And I was reading in Ephesians 6 uh, the other week in my house church. 
And it was talking about, it's Paul, and he's writing to this group of people. And it's really interesting what he says. He says, hey, be strong in the Lord. And then he goes into this detail that I thought was interesting that he included it. He said, um, your battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. I was like, why would he include that? And he keeps going. He's like, he starts talking about all this armor you can put on, put on the shield of faith that you can resist like the arrows from the devil. Basically, the idea of this passage is, hey, suit up, be ready, don't get distracted down here. Your real battle is with the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms and the enemy is attacking. He's coming at you. And I think one of the enemy's primary weapons in your life right now, because Jesus seems so concerned about it, it must be, is worry, is concern, is concern about important things that consumes your mind so much it keeps you from the most important thing. Man, that is sneaky. But if we could see that our concern is not with flesh and blood, tell yourself that, it's not with flesh and blood but it's in the spiritual realities of the heavenly realms. And Jesus is like, keep your eyes on me. I know it's important. What you eat is important. Of course it is. But here's the good news of the hopefulness of this passage. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That is why this is an amazing passage. So for the first 15 minutes, we're hearing about, hey, don't do these things, be careful, beware. And it's kind of a downer. It's like, man, this is hard. But Jesus says, wait, not just seek me, but seek me first and these things will be added to you. I'm going to take care of them. No one can provide for you like I can. You know, he even gives some really common sense examples. The birds of the air, they don't do anything. They don't have a nine to five. An income, they're not investing in retirement. They just fly around and find a seed, feed their baby birds. That's how it works. God takes care of them. The lilies of the field, they just grow from the dirt. They don't like go on a walk and leave their roots behind and like go, you know, they just, like, they just look beautiful like that. He's like, isn't that kind of obvious? Like it's like the silliest thing, right? But he's like, hey, if these things are taken care of without effort, don't you think your God in heaven is gonna take care of you? Hear that, church. God is going to take care of you. Now, I don't know how, all right? It could be a, a change in a physical circumstance. You could be like, hey, my worry is in the physical world and maybe God's gonna alleviate that. It might be a transforming of your heart, changing the posture of your heart, helping you long for things you should be longing for. Maybe it'll be a peace of mind. I don't know how God plans to alleviate the tension and the anxieties and the stresses of your life. What I do know is Jesus promises something and anytime Jesus promises something, I really wanna pay attention to it because it's always true. And he says, you seek the kingdom first and his righteousness and these things will be added to you. So we have to choose to believe that, right? This is hard. Let's just address this. This is very hard. I mean, if I think about my 2017, I think about so many worries and I legitimately see how those worries took me away from praying. Anytime I'm emotionally like unstable, feel hurt or something, I'm the quickest to like not pray. I'm like, God, I'm kind of vulnerable right now. I gotta like, like clean something, my car maybe, that's been getting dirty apparently over the past few months or whatever. So this is a hard thing to step into, right? But this is the command of Jesus. So, you know, one question that was hitting me though was, okay, let's say we've walked through this part of the teaching and we realize, all right, I need to leave some things behind. I don't just need to get around to it. And I need to seek the kingdom of God. What does that mean to seek the kingdom of God? And I was, I'm like, wow, for something that I'm so familiar with, I don't know how to define that. What's the kingdom of God? Like, what does that mean? 
I was talking to Dave, he's one of the pastors here, and he gave a, a very simple definition that I thought was very helpful. He said, the kingdom of God is where the will and the ways of God are bursting forth into reality. Chase those things. Wherever you see God's will, God's ways coming forward, go after those things. Does that make sense? Yeah? So uh, some very simple ideas. One, you might just go, I mean, is reading the Bible something? Of course, right? Like the word of God is here. The life of Jesus is in here. Like the way God works and, and the way that he prevails in the earth is in this book. So it's a good idea, right, to chase after this thing. This is a good thing to read when you're trying to seek the kingdom of God first. Or maybe you think about prayer, like connecting with God is an example of seeking first the kingdom of God. Or maybe you'll think about like community, like a group of disciples. It seems obvious that Jesus thought traveling with a group of people who were after the will of God was essential. That's an example of seeking the kingdom of God first. Jesus was so good at befriending people who didn't believe in him, who didn't lives, who didn't know God loved them, and he knew how to walk in holiness and friendship with those people. That's a good example of seeking the kingdom of God first. I don't think we have to overthink that part. So in your lives right now, there are some areas that you're aware of, and maybe you need God to help you be aware of, where you're not seeking the kingdom of God first. And let me be the first to say, welcome to the party, right? That's all of us. Of course, Jesus never asked for perfection. He was perfect, so we didn't have to be, right? So that's not what's on the table. This is not like a, hey, look at your life and, and figure out where you're really failing. It's look at your life and see what Jesus could be inviting you deeper into in regards to seeking the kingdom first. So earlier I mentioned, I want this place to be marked by participation, okay? I don't wanna do all the thinking and then go, hope you get a lot out of that. I wanna invite us to engage with the word, all right? So for the next 10 minutes, we're gonna do that, okay? And there's just two questions I want you to think about. Sometimes we'll do communal stuff where you can talk with one another. You can do that today, but this is also gonna be very reflective. So first question that I want you to think about. If you've got a phone, put it in your notes. Just, just think about it. In regards to the kingdom of God, okay, what have you just been getting around to lately? What is kind of on the back burner? You know it's important, but you're not stepping into it. It's okay. Let's be honest. We're okay. Um, but let's just let's, let's think about that. So what area? It could be with personal relationship with God, it could be the community of God. It could be knowing people that don't know God and showing them God, like whatever it can be. But what area of your life are you not seeking the kingdom of God? What's just one or two areas? And then second one, you'll probably see this coming. What is one or two things you can do to step in to making that a priority? And I would encourage you to attack this spiritually and practically. One, you probably need a heart transformation. But two, also, you may need just to get something into your calendar or stop a habit and start a habit. And that's gonna be hard. It's gonna come with resistance. But let's not leave this place going, oh, Jesus instructs us to put the kingdom of God first. Cool, this is a good idea. Like, let's be people that seek to not only hear, but do, all right? So we're gonna play some music. We're gonna set the ambiance. Should be very restful. Hopefully it invites you to think and contemplate and pray. And if you wanna get up and walk around, if you wanna rotate your chairs and talk to each other, you wanna go outside, this is now your living room. It's a little more full than your living room normally is. You had a lot of people over today, but I want you to make this your space. Connect with God. Think about those two questions, all right? We're gonna have someone, some people on the pastoral team that will stand in the back at the respond banner. If you're like praying and reflecting and you're like, I need to process this. I need someone to pray for me. Go back there, you'll see them. James and Tabitha are headed back there right now. Um, so they'd love to pray for you. And then second thing, there's communion available in all four corners of the room. Um, and, and just real briefly, that's available to everyone here. And basically, just, just to give you a glimpse of what communion is, the bread represents 
that God became flesh, that God chose to become man, that he didn't leave us astray, he came and pursued us. He took on flesh in Jesus, and the juice represents his blood that was shed, that he not only took on flesh, but he gave his life so that we could have access to God. And so communion is a time where we come humbly, going, I could not, but you did it. And we rejoice and we pray and we reflect. So take communion at any point in this next 10 minutes. I've said a lot. Are we ready? Are we ready to engage? All right, um, I'm gonna pray for us, then we'll go for it, okay? God, thank you for the space. Thank you for your word. Um, if any of this pointed to condemnation or shame, um, Lord, that, that's not your work. That's not what you do. If any of this led to just conviction and some nudging, that's you. So Lord, I pray, God, that we would have an understanding of where you're helping push us, um, but that we're not condemned in Jesus, that we're free, free to chase you, free to grow. Help us to love one another, love you. In Jesus' name, amen.